Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 3, Term 2. This is Lesson 15. Um, we left off in John chapter 4, verse 33, I believe, the last time. This is after Jesus has a conversation with the woman at the well, and then she heads off to town to tell everyone about her experience. And um, we'll actually go back a little bit and pick up at verse... 29, she says, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Verse 30. It's just the previous page. Um, then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. However, they were, remember they were unaware of what had actually happened. And, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. All right, And... Um, Therefore his disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? So that's where we left off. Um, the disciples are a little bit confused and they don't know what he's on about. Um, at this time in their walk with God, the disciples couldn't yet understand how the joy and happiness of spiritual success can at least for a time actually lift you up above all your normal physical wants and needs in life. Now, we are about to enter into a section of study that deals with doing God's will and the satisfaction that comes from it. Um, and not a lot of people will understand this. This is very much a Bible school section now that we're coming into. And so I don't want to rush through it um, because we need to understand what is important when you become an ambassador for Christ. Amen. And how other people see it and not to expect them to understand your love for certain things in the kingdom of God. Uh, because otherwise we get a little bit upset and we feel like we're unappreciated and why should we bother going on and so on and so forth. You know, when we're doing certain things and, you know, Jesus said they will persecute you. He said they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So, you know, get ready for that one. Uh, and they'll do it not because you did anything wrong. Amen? Just because... You're doing what you're doing. And uh, <laughs> as one preacher said, just write in your Bible, nothing personal. Okay? <laughs> Even though it sometimes feels very personal, it's because the enemy of your soul is using anyone and anything he can against you. Absolutely. And you just need to understand that people are just vulnerable in that way to, to, to him and his devices, which is why we want them to get saved. A lot of times people don't even realize that they're working for the enemy. And uh, they don't realize that they are in a system that has trapped them, that has blinded them, that is destroying them, and makes them work for it. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Could talk about a lot of other things, but anyway. Let's, let's, so let's continue on from here. So once again, we're in John chapter 4 and verse 33. For those that have just come in. Um, further to this, in, in his commentary, William MacDonald points out that the great aim and object of Jesus' life was not to cater to the body, that's talking about his personal body, but rather to do the will of God. And that is why in John 4.34, it says, Jesus said to them, My food, which imparts satisfaction to me and in which my soul delights, okay, this is what's behind what he's saying, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. 
and to finish his work. Now that's really interesting, that little phrase. We're going to look at what he, was, what he meant by that. R. Kent Hughes explains, Serving God is to be our very food. We are to be a, the kind of people who sometimes get so involved in ministry to others. This is sometimes, not all the time, okay? <laughs> sometimes get invo- so involved in ministry to others that we do not think of our own needs. It is wonderful to be the kind of people who partake of food the world knows nothing about. May we be followers of Christ and give the highest priority and urgency to His will and His work. All right. Added to this, Leon Morris, I'll I'll talk about this in just a minute. Leon Morris also writes, The work that Jesus did was no mere human work. It was that of one sent by God. Quite often in this gospel, Jesus declares that the work he does is that which the Father has for him to do. Okay? It's what the Father... See, this is... Jesus doesn't decide what he's going to do. You know what? Let me... me, I have to stop here for a minute. I can't go past this spot. How many times have you heard, make a plan? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I think it goes that way, doesn't it? It's all about you. It's all about you deciding on something, about you doing something. You know, it's very interesting. We need to understand, and this is why I said we're we're, we're in a section now, I want to spend a little bit of time on this. Not that I don't do on everything else. But, uh, (laughs) well, you're in Bible school. Okay, you need to know this stuff. I want to spend some time on this because we need to understand that the world system and the world's thinking is very different to kingdom thinking. And because we get trained up in the world, in so many areas, we are so used to thinking that way, we are so wired to doing things a certain way. Can I say that? Okay. Sorry, I have to preach for a bit. (laughs) And and we need to understand that sometimes we need to rewire things. Because the way the world works is on the basis that there is no God. Think about this now. They work on that basis. So, if there is no God, then you have to plan your way. You have to decide what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, and so on and so forth. Do you understand? It becomes, you become God in the situation. Can I say that with that? Okay, alright. In the kingdom, it's different. Now Jesus says, I've come to do His will, not mine. Do you understand? And so this is what they're not going to understand. See, the disciples are looking for Jesus to do Jesus' will. And they'll back it up. Jesus is saying, I haven't come to do my will, I've come to do His will. See, this is where the problem was always. They would see Jesus doing some incredible things. And they're going, whoa, Jesus... This is good, man. We can back this up. We can make a big deal out of this. Hello? Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I'm not here to do what I want to do. I don't want to become famous. He says, it's not about me getting famous. It's me doing what God has called me to do and finishing what He has called me to do. You see, a lot of times people start right, but they don't finish well. You see, you start going to ministry and then the blessings come. And then you take your eyes off the person you're doing it for and the stuff you're getting out of it. Do you hear me? And so then we start thinking, oh, now, well, how much do I want of this? 
And do I want to? You know, and we start making decisions not based on now we are working for God. Now it's like, well, how much do I want? And we change our focus. Do you hear me? And this is what happens to a lot of Christians and they don't even see it. And they slowly wander off. Jesus said, you can't serve God and money. Do you understand why now? A lot of times people start with God and end with money. They start with God. Oh God, I'll do anything. You know, I'm in a really bad place. And if you bless the works of my hand, I will do this and I will give that and everything else. Hello, we start there. Because, you know, (laughs) right now we have nothing. And then God starts blessing you. And then you start to make decisions about, well, how much do I really want to give God? It changes. Where's, what what happened with uh, God, I'll do anything for you? Well, well, that was when I didn't have much. (laughs) The, The more you have, the more you negotiate. Can I get an amen on that? This is, this is where a lot of preachers go off. I'm, I'm just telling you. What is Jesus on about? What does Jesus mean when he says, my food is something you don't understand? I get fed on a whole other level to what the world gets fed. Can I put it that way? Okay? Alright. So the world gets fed by gaining satisfaction in what they do for themselves. Including physical food. Okay? Alright. Jesus says, my satisfaction comes from doing God's will and seeing Him satisfied with what I do. Get it? Okay. So because of that, He says, you guys still haven't lined yourselves up with that. Right now they haven't and they, they won't till after the cross. Otherwise they wouldn't have all run away. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because they, they were still operating under a world system and thinking. Whereas Jesus was operating under God's system. Okay, and God's kingdom. A whole different way of thinking. That's why he said, I've got to go to the cross. They're going, that doesn't help us. <laughs> That's really what they're saying. When, the, when, when Peter was rebu- rebuking him and saying, no, you're not going to go to the cross. He said, you don't get this. You don't understand what I said. When I said I'm doing my father's will, that's what I'm doing. It is now in his will for me to go to the cross, so I need to go to the cross. You want me to stay because that works for you. You don't understand that what I'm about to do works for you more than you'll ever imagine. More than you'll ever know. You see, what we think we do to help ourselves at the end of the day works against us. Anything done in a selfish motive will work against you. I'll tell you that much. Anytime you step out and help someone... I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you that it will work for you. You think you're helping somebody else, you're actually helping you. You just don't know it yet. Alright? Because you're planting a seed that you don't know the harvest yet. See, we don't like planting seeds. We're just going to want to go rob somebody else's crop. <laughs> you know, I'm just telling you, man. That's just how we want to live. You know, it's just, just, I did that once. That was not a good thing. It was just before a wedding and, you know, there was a tree that was in somebody's yard. Remember? And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, when it's hanging there and saying, eat me, eat me, you know, you just go, forget the sowing. Let's go to the reaping straight away. Somebody else sowed. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> now we're going to talk about that that somebody else saw as a new reef, but that's not like this. <laughs> okay. Almost lost my eye over that as well because you know I didn't realize that at the end of field that I was very used to running through, uh, at, there was a drain, and you know you'd have to look to jump over the drain. I didn't realize somebody put a fence there when I wasn't looking about why a fence, and so when I looked to jump. Uh, that, yeah. All I could see was red. You know the song says, I see red, I see red. I really did see red. And uh, it was a funny story to go with that. Anyway, uh, I was in hospital getting stitches. That wasn't the funny part. But I was, I was meant to be a page boy for a wedding. And, and my dad didn't believe it. Because the, the person that was telling them was an, an uncle that always plays practical jokes. And he was, he was saying, oh, he's, he's got blood. Yeah, yeah, ha, ha, ha. Anyway. Back to this. All right, so. <laughs> but it's funny how we want to always, you know, we want the labors of other people. We just want to go straight to it. All right? Jesus is saying, listen, it is important that we do what God asks us to do. We need to sow that. We, sometimes it takes time. Amen? You know, today, you guys are here because of something Jamie sowed. He sowed, I'm reaping this. But now I'm sowing, and somebody else is going to reap, reap the blessing of this as well. Always sowing and reaping is happening. And we're going to see this cycle. Then you're going to be sowing into people's lives, which you obviously already are, and you'll reap things. It's a cycle that continues in all of our lives, and we don't ever realize that. You don't ever realize that a little seed you sow into somebody will grow into a crop that somebody will be somebody else's seed. Do you understand? And then so your seed becomes a crop in, and somebody else's seed and then their seed becomes a crop and becomes somebody else's seed and it just goes on and on and on. And that's what God wants. Amen? But we need to learn to think that way. Jesus is thinking that way. Jesus is saying, listen, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me. Now He says here again, let me get back to this, and I want to talk about some other things, but let's continue on. Jesus declares that the work he, he does is that which the Father has for Him to do. Obedience to the divine will is for Him the major concern. So His major concern is to listen to God, do what God has asked Him to do. The Father, okay? You can remember He's God as well. Alright, and so single-mindedly He presses on. Alright, now that, that is so important that you need to be single-minded A double-minded man is unstable in all of these ways. Do you know what a double-minded man really is? It's not a man that can't decide about, you know, do I buy a blue car or red car? It's not, okay? It's a person that has one mind on the spirit and one mind on the flesh, so to speak. One mind on doing God's will and the other on what will actually help me. But what we don't understand is doing God's will helps you, whether you realize it or not. Doing what you want to do that will get a temporary blessing right now will not help you later on. It's always temporary. Do you understand? Jesus was single-minded in that way. He didn't look to see what would benefit him. He always looked to see what benefited God, the Father. Okay? Remember, he's God the Son. Alright, that's the reason why the Apostle John starts, you know, I don't know if you, you realize, we're in the book of John right now, in the Gospel of John right now, when John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
it talks about an intimate relationship, a relationship of knowing each other in such a way that nobody else could know. Do you understand? All right? Where you just know someone to such a degree, if they did something that seemed off or somebody said, oh, they did this, you'd go, no, I don't believe it was that, that was their motive. They might have done something that looked wrong, but the motive would, there, might have, there must have been a good reason for them to do that. Do you understand? You know a person that well. That's how Jesus knew God and God knew Jesus. See, this is, this is where it begins. So when it comes down here and Jesus says, I'm, I, I'm doing the will of my Father, it's because that's what He wants to do. It's not because He has to do it, it's what He wants to do. Just like the Father will do anything for Jesus. Yeah. You get it? It's not a one-way street. A lot of people think, oh, you know, poor Jesus. <sighs> did all of this stuff because the father just required it of him and you know made him do it no 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 see when there is love you do things out of love isn't it interesting Jesus said you shall love not obey love because obedience comes from love true obedience amen okay that's a preaching point, but I won't do it today. All right. <laughs> Let's get back to I'm preaching on Sunday on that. So we'll get to that when we get to that. All right. So, <laughs> so, he's, so single-mindedly, he presses on. Also, he adds the thought of finishing his work. Notice he says, to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Yeah? John 4.34. Alright? This idea of finishing, the verb is cognate or similar and equivalent with that used on the cross. When Jesus, cries, uh, Jesus cried, it is finished. Remember when he said it's finished? He came to do it and finish it. Ho oh, ho, it was a hard thing to finish. That's why he needed to say, it's finished. A lot of people think, oh, the law was finished and everything else. No, his job what he came to do was complete. I have run my race. I have obtained my prize. He needed to go do something else in hell. But here he finished what he, and he needed to be said. Otherwise we wouldn't have written it down. We wouldn't know. We think something else still needed to be done. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that's why people get that mixed up as well. They say, well, he said it was finished on the cross. So there was nothing else after that. Well, if he said it in hell, would you be there to hear it? Stupid! Anyway, sorry for saying that. I have problems with some people. Anyway, you know, like, wow, dude, really? It's interesting when he comes back up from the grave. Remember when he came up from the grave and one of the women were going to touch him? He said, don't touch me yet. He said, I haven't, gone, I haven't done what I need to do. So he was still doing work. Hmm? So it didn't finish on the cross. It was ongoing. But that part finished, but there was something else happening. We didn't know about it, and the women didn't know. And he said, don't touch me, don't touch me yet. Tell the disciples, I'll be back. <laughs> He's the ultimate, I'll be back, you know. And, and he said, I need to go up to heaven, because we don't realize something incredible that happened. And we'll talk about this when we get to it. We don't understand how closely connected earth and heaven are. When God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Oh, we don't know what that actually meant. Because when we sinned, things happened not only in this realm, but in that realm as well. 
And he talks about cleansing things in heaven as much as down here. We'll talk about that stuff when we get to it. Okay? So anyway, back to this. It's too far ahead. That's just after the rapture. <laughs> you know I'll be teaching this in heaven if we don't get through it here. You know, I have to deal with God. All right. The facilities might be nicer, but yeah. Oh, maybe outside on the grass that sings. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, that stuff sings up there. All right. So, <laughs> so it, th- this verb again is similar, equivalent with that used on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. It reminds us of the awful cost of that work and underlines the devotion implied in the expression. All right. When he said, I need to do this, I need to finish it. He was devoted to this. He was committed to this. Amen? Alright, following this, Jesus goes on to say, John 4.35 Do not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already, uh, already white for harvest. Now I want to read this guy's comment. Take it for what it is, okay? Don't read too much into it, but I thought it was a very interesting comment. I just had to throw this one in. H.V. Uh, Morton wherever he is, when he was (laughs) visiting this site and sitting by this same well, observed a fascinating incident and wrote, As I sat by Jacob's well, a crowd of Arabs came along the road from the direction in which Jesus was looking. And I saw their white garments shining in the sun. Surely Jesus was speaking not of the earthly but of the heavenly harvest. And as he spoke, I think it likely that he pointed along the road where the Samaritans in their white robes were assembling to come and hear his words. So he says they're white unto harvest. Yeah? Interesting. Just for what it's worth. Okay, don't, like I said, don't read too much into it. So looking again at John 4.35, what Jesus is saying is that you have been saying correctly that there are four months between sowing and harvesting. In the natural, this is true, okay? Uh, but not in the spirit. Just lift up your eyes and look at the approaching Samaritans and understand that in the spirit, this is a very important lesson you need to learn now, having only just sown a single seed or a seed in a single Samaritan woman, the fields are ready, already white for harvest. He's saying, I've, sown, I've sowed one seed in one person and here comes a harvest. It's interesting, isn't it? Okay. And he says, and the harvest is now. Okay? Now, like I said to you, you know, we need to be careful how we use that verse. Because a lot of people say, well, you know, the fields are white to harvest. Go out there and harvest them and everything else. That's a lazy way out, man. You need to sow some seed first. Amen. Now, if there are seeds being sown, and somebody needs to go and harvest, fair enough. But we need to know that seeds have been sown first. Amen. You can't just assume seeds have been sown. You need to check that out. And a lot of times, prayer is needed. Amen. Not just legwork, but prayer. I remember when we used to, we used to belong to a church that, yeah, we used to just go out there, man, and knock on doors, and my God, that was bad. And so always feel wrong. You know why it was wrong? We didn't pray. And I didn't want to go to people's doors and knock. I don't want to get disturbed. So I'm apologizing for knocking on their door. <laughs> <laughs> I decided that wasn't for me. So anyway, it was just not right. There is a time and a place. And I just think, you know, you're invading people's privacy when you go knock on the door and they're having lunch and all. And then you want to talk to them about Jesus. And they, they got beans in their mouth falling out. They go, just go away, I'm eating. You know, people just, you know what I'm trying to say? Anyway, so I'll never ask that of you. 
Oh, I hope I didn't make a mistake there. Okay. <laughs> Later on that year, no. <laughs> We're going door knock. No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I think there is better ways. I think, I think you know, if we, are a little, if, we can, if we pray, I think God will give us some brilliant ways to bring people in. I, I, I believe that, you know, we, we have got, and it will be according to our gifts. Amen? I, I'm, I'm seeing an amazing music ministry develop and grow right now. And, um, and there's so many here that have musical talents. So many. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I believe that there is a place for that to bring in the world. Amen. And do it with style. Amen. Yeah, baby. All right, so back to this. <laughs> that's, that's what I like to do. I, I want to do that. Yeah, you know. I, I like to do it that way. That's my thing. All right, so. And that's why you're all here. Okay. <laughs> you think you're just coming to bow? No. <laughs> all right. Leon Morris points out that a harvest will not wait. Unless it is reaped while it is ripe, it will spoil. And there will be no harvest. When the time is right, when you need to reap, you need to do it. All right? So, in other words, you know, if we put on uh, just an amazing concert or something, and, and Jesus is at the center of it and everything else, we need to have an altar call at the end. We need to do it. We need to do it. Because if there's somebody there that has been convicted in their heart, and we let them go, we, lo- we lost them that day. The next day is too late. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, so we, you know... Okay. Anyway, in short, there is an urgency here, and those called to reap must begin immediately, and their obedience will not go unrewarded. With Jesus promising in John 4:36, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. Now, there's a lot of um, extras I've put in here because you need to understand what is being said here. So please allow me to read those as part of the verse, even though it's not a part of the verse. You'll see why. Okay. All right. He who reaps, again Jesus speaking, receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. Meaning that this fruit is not only everlasting, alright, the eternal life part, okay, it brings to those who believe, but the rewards are as well to both the sower and the reaper. Do you get all of that? So not only is the person that, that receives salvation, not only do they receive eternal life, but the person that sows or initially sowed into their life, is going to receive an eternal reward as well. And the person that reaps it is going to receive eternal life as well, or an eternal reward. So everyone involved in that, the sower, the person that receives it, and the person that reaps it, all going to receive eternal life. See, there's three, three, three things in this? Okay? All are going to get eternal life. This is what, so this is why he goes on now to say this. And he says, He who reaps, receives wages, and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Get it? Alright? Because they both re- receive eternal blessings. That's why you don't ever get upset. If you've been sowing and sowing and sowing and, so, and you know, you're trying to get the person saved and they just won't make the commitment, then they go to one meeting, one meeting, one meeting. Somebody says, come up. And they go, okay, I'll come up. I'm re-. And you think, oh, 15 years. I've been, doing, <laughs> you know. And, 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 and don't worry about it. You'll get the reward. You will get the reward. Hear me? 
Now Jesus is going to say something about the person that reaps it. Be careful. Don't think that you're just the only one going to get reward for reaping this. Somebody else sowed into their life for you to be able to reap this. So you, you be sure that you acknowledge that before you get too excited. Otherwise you get a big head. Hear me? We're going to see all of that. I told you, this, one, this, this is one of those okay, sections. Alright. Leon Morris wisely points out that the reaper is not in any way competing with the sower. In fact, he is cooperating with the sower. For reaping is simply completing the work that sowing commenced. See that? So it is that the sower and the reaper rejoice together. This is especially true when the interval between seed time and harvest is done away with. Then sower and reaper rejoice together. Do you get that? Okay, so there are sometimes, what, what happened with Jesus? He sows the seed into a Samaritan woman and he's basically getting an immediate harvest. Okay, whereas sometimes that doesn't happen. Remember the Apostle Paul says, one who plants... One who waters, and remember God is the one that brings a harvest. But Okay, so we're almost finished here for this session. Um, let me just read a little bit more and we'll conclude for this session. We'll pick it up in the next one. Additionally, as mentioned earlier, when both sower and reaper get to heaven, they will in fact have the joy of seeing all the souls that were saved because of their faithfulness in proclaiming the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that as well. When you get to heaven, your reward will be there as well. Not just for doing what you did, but also the people that you helped bring in. Amen? And so you, you will be able to rejoice. And the person will come and say, well, thank you so much for doing all that work. You know, it was in my meeting they walked forward because of what you did. And you can say to them, thank you so much for having that meeting, because I've been ministering them for 15 years, and finally in your meeting, they came forward. Thank God I can take that off my list and move on to the next person. Hello? It should be a gratefulness there. It's like, oh, thank God, finally. Moving on. Amen. You're all stuck on the same thing forever. <laughs> um, we will pick up in John 4.37, where Jesus then says, For in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. We'll pick up there next session.